Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. If you are old enough to talk to Congress, Congress will have to listen to you. Your age should never discredit science if you know your facts. Hi, I'm Natalie Meebain. And I'm Jonah Gottlieb. We're co-founders of the National Children's Campaign. Welcome to this episode of Our Future Now. Jonah, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And as we know, that has put this country and a lot of the issues that we work on in jeopardy. And, you know, it's already, it's sad when anybody passes away, but I think what people are really mourning right now is the impact that her death has had and that it will have on this country as a result of her, of her seat being filled by President Trump. And that is something that is, is going to be quite scary in the upcoming months and years. And I know that the whole country is thinking about that right now. Absolutely. Okay. And one case that could be decided by her replacement specifically is Juliana v. U.S., which features 21 youth suing the federal government over climate change and their right to a livable planet. And today we're so honored to be joined by two of the plaintiffs. Today we have with us Levi Draheim, who is a 13-year-old from Florida. He is also a plaintiff in the state case, Reynolds versus Florida. And we also have with us Javen Foyton, who is a 17-year-old from South Louisiana. So we really want to say thank you so much to both Jaden and Levi for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for having me on today. So I know both of you have been working um, to fight climate change for a very long time. And you all started, obviously, at a young age. And Levi, what made you get involved in this case? What made you want to even to dedicate time to this issue? I joined the Juliana lawsuit when I was eight years old because my fundamental rights are at stake. Because I am too young to vote, going to the courts has been one of the few ways I can get my government to listen to me and make sure my rights are protected. Uh, I stay motivated to continue fighting because A, I have to wait five more years before I'm allowed to vote. And another big reason of something that motivates me every day is my baby sister, Juniper Peru. I call her Pip. Because I am her big brother, I want her to have a safe and healthy planet to grow up in. Nice. You know, Levi, that's really inspiring to know that you took action, like you said, years before you could even vote. You didn't wait until you were old enough to, to really to change the world, to actually go and fight for what you're doing. And you also mentioned, you said, you know, you're fighting also for your little sister who's even younger, for you, younger than you. And so now, Jaden, you know, I want to ask you the same question, Jaden. What, what made you join this case? So for me, I'm from Rain, Louisiana, and Rain, Louisiana is in southwest Louisiana. By the time that I was six, there was the BP oil spill already happening. I saw how that affected the families that worked offshore. My own dad at the time, like he worked offshore before he got laid off. I was worried, like ever since I was young, I saw the impacts of what the oil industry can do, even non-climate change related. But even in a climate change way, my house has flooded in 2016. Louisiana loses a football field of land every hour because of coastal erosion from drilling in the Gulf and everything that we're 
we're doing to harm the Gulf of Mexico. And it's putting communities like mine that weren't originally in the floodplain, more in the floodplain. With Hurricane um, Gustav in 2008, I was just a little kid, but I went through that and I remember going through that. And then there was the flood in 2016 and then the flood a year right after that. I have gone my whole life seeing what climate change can do and what the oil industry can do to permanently harm your family and your community. There's people moving out of my community after all the um, hurricanes that's happening. The flood in 2016 wasn't, didn't even um, start because of a, uh, because of a hurricane it was just heavy rainfall because the storms are getting closer and closer to my house that we are getting more and more in danger just from rainfall that there was half a foot there was half a foot of water running through my whole entire house when it should have never flooded in the first part in the first place you both have taken these huge disasters that have impacted yourselves and your communities and turned them into action and so for our listeners that maybe haven't heard of the Juliana case and haven't heard of the two of you, could you tell us a little bit about Juliana v. U.S.? Uh, Juliana v. the U.S. was filed in 2015 and is the first federal constitutional climate change lawsuit supported by some of the world's top experts. 21 plaintiffs between the ages of 13 and 24 assert that the executive branch of the government through its affirmative actions in creating a national energy system that causes, time, that causes climate change, in turn, depriving us of our constitutional rights to life, liberty, and property. So underlining these fundamental rights is a climate system capable of sustaining human life. In addition, the government has failed to protect essential public trust resources. For over 50 years, the government has known of the catastrophic risks of climate change, yet young Americans continue to be harmed by our government's actions. So are you seeking money damages in this case? No, we're definitely, we're not seeking money damages in any way. Rather, we are seeking recognition from the, um, from the constitutional violation of our rights and science-based climate recovery plan by the executive branch, because we have a right to life, liberty, and property. And we are talking about a, like a fact of public trust. We are not facing the same rights that um, our older generations have. There's stuff that we can't do anymore because of climate stuff. We don't want money. We're not doing this for money. We're doing this so we can get our lives back. And so we can have what older generations have had and they can see us as equals because although they have had it, we had it. We have been living through here, through this type of system. And there's been a lot of things we have not achieved because of what's been happening to us and our environment. We need to put in the strictest goals possible in order to avoid climate catastrophe. You know, most uh, most things have 1.5 degrees Celsius as the top level goal of the maximum amount of, um, of climate change that we should allow in terms of the Earth's temperature rising. But this resolution, which mass matches you guys' case, calls for no more than one degree Celsius of warming. And I have never seen anything that bold, that strict, and overall that ambitious of a goal. 
And I also know one thing that makes me, you know, what I really support about this resolution is that it is science-based. It calls for no more than 350 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by 2100. And so overall, we have all agreed, like the science has agreed that 350 parts per million is the safest level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere in order for human civilization to thrive. And I think that the fact that we are currently at 415 parts per million and rising and have we have no no end in sight in terms of when we are going to be able to reduce that we have no end in sight in terms of our peak carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and so i'm really happy that you all have this resolution that puts us on a target to get down to 350 parts per million uh, we had a really great week where we had a whole bunch of meetings, uh, virtual Zoom meetings with elected officials. What was something that you all would take from that? What was your favorite part of the week? Why do you feel like it was important to talk to senators and House members this week about your resolution? I, I talked to the senators this week because I want them to see the urgency and listen to for, firsthand frontline vo voices from the communities that are being affected, like me and Levi, like a lot of the plaintiffs. That's why I was so happy to, and that's why I, had, I wanted to reach out to our senators and to our representatives, because they need to hear frontline stories and how it's affecting communities, not just in uh like a sweet way or this is just kind of happening let's do whatever like they need to put a stop to it and we need to lower everything for our communities to continue to be safe so levi you were also in a lot of meetings this week with members of congress and i know you were telling your story you were talking about the work that you do and how you got involved but why do you think that this resolution in particular that you all introduced this past week why is it important to you what do you feel like it really does for your case uh so it was very stressful because i wanted to make sure to get my point across and i wanted them to know what's going on and so it was a really great experience being able to tell these members of Congress and elected officials how things are affecting me and the people in my community and why they should take action on what's going on. And I think the main sign that, you know, we know that they were paying attention and listening is their actual policy actions. So we got 60 of them in a week to sign on and co-sponsor this resolution. And I think it's really fantastic because this scientific goal of 350 parts per million and one degree warming is more ambitious than the Green New Deal from a scientific standpoint. And we got 60 members of Congress to sign on in two days. So I think that it just shows the power that youth have and the power that people have. And it shows that even if you're not old enough to vote, you can still make a difference it's just that we have to force the adults to do it since we can't vote. And so it really shows that we don't have to wait for our future to make a difference because our future is now. You know, thinking of this whole week of meetings, and we did have a lot, I would say overall, what I really loved about them was having people in the meetings as young as nine years old all talking about why climate change is important to them. 
and why this resolution is important to them and why they need Congress and overall the federal government to act, to act immediately. I think that it was so um, motivating to see people from every walk of life across the country and every age discuss why this is so important to them. And just seeing so many members of Congress listen, like you said, Jonah, there's so many members of Congress pay attention and care that kids are coming to them, really asking and begging for them to help in this world that they see burning in front of them. And just to ask you all, I mean, you all have been working on this case, like you all have been a part of this case for the last five years. If you were to win, if the Supreme Court ruled in your favor, or just in general, if you got exactly what you wanted when it comes to winning on climate change, Levi, what does that look like to you? It's going to be the best day of my life. And I feel like that day, the feelings that I would be, uh, the feelings that I would be feeling would be like, after you just finished going down a ski run, and it was like the best run that you've ever done, that joy that you have times that by a million. And that's what it would feel like. And that's what that whole, the whole world looked like that. And I wouldn't have to deal with any more uh, climate change hypes, hurricanes or flooding or anything like that. And I would be able to take my sister swimming in the ocean for the first time. That would be the ultimate day. So Jaden, same question for you. What would it look like to win? What does it feel like in terms of winning both on this case, you know, if you were to win, but also in general, just what would it look like to win on climate change? I think the moment we, I know that we've won and we've and we've officially won the battle against climate change is having the weight lifted off my shoulders of what's happening to my community and having Louisiana wildlife, having the Gulf of Mexico and Louisiana wildlife be able to flourish again and be able to have and be able to hold animals again like alligators and the fishes that we have and there's all this stuff that we have to protect and i know when once that's protected we have one and once we protect the the poor communities down in louisiana that are being um uh severely more damaged than the higher up communities and when we get and an evacuation route for St. James and other poor Black communities that are being affected by infiltration and by um, all the fossil fuel industries around them and all the drilling and, and fracking happening in Louisiana. Once that is gone, once the people of Louisiana can be able to feel safe in their community, that's when I know that I can celebrate the um, climate change being over. I think that both of you just creating that vision of the world that we want to make and the world that we are going to make is a perfect way to wrap this episode. Levi, Jaden, thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast. It's really been awesome meeting with members of Congress this week, working on policy with you. It's just really been amazing. Are there any final thoughts that you two want to leave our listeners with? I think that's something that's always important to remember is to not let, is to not let anybody tell you that you can't do something. For example, my baby sister, she's only 12 weeks old and she's already been on meetings with elected officials. If you want to learn more about me personally, you can go to at connect with Levi and that goes for my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Jaden, how about you? Final thoughts? To what Levi was saying about with his sister, if you are old enough to talk to Congress, Congress will have to listen to you. Your age should never discredit science if you know your facts. Um, if you ever feel like you need anyone to talk to, if you want to get into activism, or if you are a youth activist that's just been going through a lot and you feel like your community doesn't support you, you can always um, DM me at um, Jaden Foytland um, on Instagram, and I'll always be there to answer. Levi, Jaden, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Future Now. To help the Juliana plaintiffs win their case, you can sign up for updates at youthvgov.org join. And you can go to youthvgov.org slash Congress for Juliana. Congress, the number four, Juliana. Talk to your members of Congress, engage with them on social media, and make sure that they are doing everything they can to fight for children, to fight for our climate, and to fight for us. Our spotlight this week is Donna Imam, a computer engineer running for U.S. Congress in Texas's 31st district. She's fighting for a Green New Deal, education for all, healthcare for all, and more. You can check her out at votefordonna.com. Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. And thank you to our media partner, Parentology. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and share this episode with your family and friends on social media. I'm Natalie Meebane. And I'm Jonah Gottlieb. And this is Our Future Now.